Welcome back to Maury's Music. My name's Maury Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And we have a lot to talk about. The NAM show just wrapped up in Anaheim, California in June. Yes, I said Anaheim and June. The NAM show moved from Anaheim in the wintertime, Nashville in the summertime. Everything got mixed up. It is the June NAM show 2022 recap episode. You're going to hear all kinds of hot takes from Spoon Phillips, from Maury's Music. Let's dive in. We have so much to unpack. How are you doing today, Spoon? I'm doing great. Uh, I think it's a, a marvelous show. Uh, congratulations to Martin for the uh, really, really nice lineup. Most excellent indeed. Let's start with something called the CSSC 2022. And I'm not just saying that because I want to hear about it. But one of our listeners named T expressed a lot of interest in that specific guitar on our YouTube channel. So let's give the people what they want. What can you tell us, Spoon, about the CSSC 2022? Well, it's interesting. The symmetry of that name, CSSC, is uh, for an asymmetrical guitar using Martin's S body size. So it stands for Custom Shop. So this model was made in the Custom Shop using the S body size with the cutaway, the SC. And we've seen, of course, the SC now for a couple of years, starting with the SC13E that is made in the Road Series in Navajo, Mexico. And then that's been followed up by two other SC models that are also made in the Navajo facility, all of which are really nice, very cool, hybrid acoustic electric guitars of the future, frankly. This model is the CSSC 22, which is available only in 2022, made in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, in the Martin Guitar Factory, in their custom shop, out of 100% high-grade solid tone woods. So all these people that are crying about the SC13E, the SC10E, the SC13E Special, please give us some guitars with solid tone woods on the back and the sides. Oh boy, they did. Yes, they did. You know, it's it's a lot of people. I think we're hoping for something a little less expensive, like maybe something that was simply um, decorated the way the standard series are. But this guitar has solid East Indian rosewood back and sides. It has a solid torrified Sitka spruce top. So it has the vintage tone system Sitka spruce top with VTS Adirondack bracing. So first model like this outside of the modern deluxe series that gets the uh, Adirondack bracing and the Sitka top of the modern deluxe series. It has uh, super fancy inlays uh, with style 41 pearl around the edge of the top, abalone, high colored abalone around the edge of the top and the sound hole rosette. This um, really interesting ornate scrolling vine sort of look on the uh, fingerboard, but also retaining uh, fingerboard marker dots so the vine kind of goes up and around the round dots that are similar to the other SC models. So that's quite gorgeous. And then a little bit of leaf inlay on the fretboard, I mean, for the headstock rather, with the uh, Pearl CF Martin and Company scroll at the top. So certain elements that are borrowed from the modern deluxe series, but it has the wonderful helical neck shape that they call a velocity neck low, they call it now a velocity low profile to the neck that is designed to 
move with your hand as you go up the fretboard, the apex of the neck, the, play, the part of the neck that wants to fit in that cup between your thumb and your fingers, it actually starts at one point of the, up by the nut and then gradually drifts as you go up the neck. And so that as your hand turns, it just fits perfectly in your hand all the way up. Really fantastic uh, neck shape to it. It has the special bracing design for this 13 fret guitar. It's Martin's first 13 fret design, the S body size. So it feels like a short scale neck in terms of comfort, but you don't get the traffic jams up in, in the cutaway area because it's still long scale. So the frets are spread out like they're on a long scale neck and you get the long scale string tension too so you get that extra power and extra volume from long scale so very exciting to have an sc made out of solid wood with of course very high-end deluxe uh features so is it probably fair to say that they took the sc idea and instead of crossing it with standard series production this is basically the combination of an sc13e and a modern deluxe guitar instead of standard yeah, I think that's that's a, a fair way to look at it. And I know uh, somebody, one of my readers, had posted um, that's you know that's too much money for an SC model. And I think for people remembering back when they had a series of of uh, I'm sorry, CS model. I beg your pardon, uh, custom shop model. They used to have a series of S every year they would put out an CS model, uh, the CS eleven if you remember from 2011, they starting in that year, they started putting out one or two models at every NAM that were made in the custom shop. And that concept allowed you to buy a custom shop guitar with a lot of really cool features, some of them only available in the authentic series and so forth, but at a price that was cheaper than if you had done a one-off custom with all those features. Exactly. And that might still be the case here, but because of all that pearl inlay and because of the uh, VTS and all that, this is an exclusive uh, deluxe model that's priced that way. And will they ever put out a solid wood, a solid wood SC model that is uh, a lot less? Maybe someday, but the factory in Nazareth is not tooled up to make those guitars, so we're not going to see production models made in Nazareth out of solid wood anytime soon. So this really is like the one opportunity to get a solid wood SC model right now. That's a really good point. And uh, to further to that same idea, you really can't have anything in the custom shop that has the SC body design anyway. So if you want something like an SC13E, 13E Special, SC10E, and you want to go further than those specific production models, this is all you have. That's correct. And they, they understand that. Is this an experiment? Are they going to eventually make more solid wood models? I think the answer is yes, but it's going to be pretty far down the road as far as I know. Um, one of the uh, other extra features to this, the top has a new patented feature that they refer to as a recurve that is carved into the underside of the top and it is designed to help get even more bottom end bass response out of the sc body size and um it certainly seems to do that when you play it as an acoustic guitar you get all that wonderful rosewood warmth and the complexity i was surprised at how much that bottom end comes out of that body size and the body size is roughly the same as a triple o and you do get more 
bass out of it. You don't hear it so much as the player, but the moment somebody else is playing and you're in front of it, or when you hear you know the videos being made out of it, it's quite clear that it's got a, a much fuller bottom end and, and great solid wood resonance. The problem with great solid wood resonance is this is an acoustic electric guitar that is primarily designed for electric guitarists to plug in to the exact same rigs they're using with their electric guitars. And so you run into feedback issues with solid wood guitars, particularly Rosewood, because of that complex harmonic overtone phenomena that comes out of those guitars. And I played the solid wood R&D model that Martin had put together at the very beginning of this, of this experiment to come out with this asymmetrical 13 fret acoustic electric hybrid. And immediately it started feeding back. When you had it at the same settings that what eventually became the SC13E uh, was set up for. And they have found a way to combat that solid wood feedback nightmare that you get out of solid rosewood back and sides by having Fishman make a special exclusive version of their Aura technology that has a built-in feedback system inside the, the little computer that goes in the guitar, which is another reason that the sticker price on it is as impressive as it is. That's a really good point. I mean, you're getting one of the most advanced, if not the most advanced, Fishman pickup systems in a Martin guitar in 2022. So regardless of which platform they're using, you're getting the, the best pickup you could ever expect to play and put that on any Martin guitar and you're going to certainly see a price increase. Yeah, and this is designed specifically for the FC. So we will, again, if we see higher-end models coming out in the future, this technology will certainly be part of that. And uh, and that's where these guitars really shine, including the the, the 10, you know, which is uh, has much simpler appointments. It's made in Mexico and from Navajo, and, but it still has the great neck, still has the great body size and the feel of that body size. The asymmetry of the body size basically tilts the waist. So instead of the treble and bass side of the waist being right over the sound hole, the bass side is closer to the neck and the treble side of the waist is closer to the into the bottom bout. And what that does is it allows you to have this extensive cutaway, um, which you can get up to easily because the special neck joint has no heel on it. So you can go all the way up like an electric guitar, but you're not losing the cubic millimeters of space by cutting out that big cutaway because a lot of that space is being shifted down into the bottom bout. So you still get a ample sound chamber inside despite the fact you have this extra uh, impressive cutaway. So really fantastic de a design for anybody who's uh, an electric guitarist looking for an acoustic guitar. And there's no question that this sounds the best unplugged of any of the SC models so far. I'll go on record and agree. And if you guys don't believe us, uh, please check out our video that we did a few months ago with Tim Teal. Spoon and Tim were in the Martin Museum and you get a really good listen to not just the conversation about this instrument, but a good demo of Spoon playing this into a microphone. It's on our YouTube channel and we certainly invite you to check that out. Speaking of custom shop instruments, let's talk about the next two big boys from the 2022 NAMM show. I can't wait to ask you 
which one you prefer, the D28 or the D18 1937? And tell us a little <laughs> bit about what's different about both of these guitars. And if you're listening closely, say Rosewood. <laughs> so when it comes to these new authentic models, one of them is not new. The D28 authentic 1937 actually came out in 2015, was one of the very first authentic models in the authentic series and has been hugely popular ever since. It was copied, directly copied from a guitar that some people consider to be the greatest sounding Martin guitar ever made and perhaps acoustic guitar ever made in history, particular 1937. D28. And they took that guitar to the Smithsonian Institute and they put it through their imaging, special scientific imaging, including x-ray and CAT scan to get the exact placement of the bracing, the exact shaping of the bracing, the exact shaping of the bridge plate, so forth and so on. And a lot of people already know about the, the very authentic features of these dreadnoughts. One of the criticisms of their hardcore vintage Martin nitpickers out there was the fact that the body shape of a 14 fret dreadnought made today isn't exactly the same as the body shape of a dreadnought that was made in the 1930s and 1940s. Hmm. And now it is. These two new dreadnoughts have the exact body shape of a pre-war Martin dreadnought. That's very exciting. How much difference does it make? Well, I uh, actually, on my website in One Man's Guitar, I've actually put up a tracing that Tim Teal gave me, Tim Teal being the head of instrument design at Martin, that shows the modern silhouette and the 1937 silhouette that's used on these guitars. And if you think of the body of the guitar as a human torso up at the shoulders, some guys just have slightly broader, slightly rounder shoulders. And that's what the 1937 gives you. So those shoulders are a little wider and it doesn't have the full slope you get from a 12 fret dreadnought, but it still has more of a slope. And that the outside of those shoulders at the very top is a little wider. But then as you start coming down off of the shoulder and into the upper bout toward the waist, it actually has a faster taper. So it's a little trimmer and a little narrower coming down what would be the rib cage, if you will, coming down into that waist. The waist is basically identical, but then as it starts heading out toward the bottom bout, you get a little more room coming outside of that waist as it's coming down. And then the bottom of the guitar, the very bottom part of the bottom bout, that wide top and stuff is, is basically the same. So the changes are subtle. It might add up to the same cubic space in the sound chamber, but the phenomenal behavior of sound waves, the physics involved, it's hard to say how much different the tone is gonna to be because all of those curves inside that sound chamber and the exact placing of the ribs inside them and where the braces tuck in to the curfling and all that stuff is different. And so you're definitely going to be getting some kind of physical difference in terms of the sound waves. So that's very exciting. And uh, for all the nitpickers out there, finally, you're getting that true vintage dreadnought shape on these two new authentic dreadnoughts. 
if you're wondering out there listening to this program, is it worth making the change? I really don't think anybody at Martin would have gone through any trouble to bring these things to market if it didn't make enough of a difference. So I don't want to say that it's a life changer, but if these things sounded and looked exactly the same as they used to two years ago, I don't think Martin would bring this uh, to anybody's attention just to have something new to show. There must be some good difference making it worthwhile. It's interesting because I, I, I've never really nailed somebody down at Martin as why did it take so long and why now, but this is what they're doing. And so we have that on the D28. The other major change to the D28 is, as Maury said, rosewood. The rosewood <laughs> is now Guatemalan rosewood. It's replacing the dwindling supply of Madagascar rosewood that Martin has. Martin still has Madagascar rosewood. They're going to be using it on more special editions. They're going to be using it for binding and headstock face plates and whatnot. But getting solid rosewood plates, if they want to continue having a two-piece back, which is the authentic way to do it, they're just running out of quality Madagascar rosewood now. And that's happened because back in I don't remember what year it was now, but many years ago, right after Martin started buying Madagascar Rosewood from the Malaglasi government, and Chris Martin was partnering with them about maintaining their very precious natural resources, there was a coup, and a faction took over the country, that, uh, that island nation, that had no interest in the environment and was just clearly going to ravage the uh, natural resources to make a quick buck. And so CF Martin was the very first American company to immediately stop a, any business with that government. And uh, Madagascar Rosewood is simply not available on the, on the market anymore. So Guatemalan Rosewood, I love Guatemalan Rosewood. My custom that I have that uh, was turned into a, a brief limited edition at Maury's Music is made of Guatemalan Rosewood. And uh, it's a uh, it is every bit as good as Brazilian rosewood in sound. The uh, the looks of it aren't aren't the same as the figuring you get out of Madagascar rosewood, but that's not a bad thing. It's still a classic uh, rosewood and uh, resonant. I think it has a richer, darker bottom end than you typically got out of Madagascar. So I'm a big fan of it. I think it's the perfect logical choice for the authentic series. Well, I could talk about Rosewood a lot longer than that, but for the sake of being efficient, please tell me a little bit about the Mahogany D18 1937. The D18 Authentic 1937. People have been wanting this guitar to come out for a very long time. Uh, most people know that the Authentic Series D18 was based on a guitar from 1939. 1939 was the year that they shifted the bracing um, from what's now called forward-shifted bracing to what is known as rearward-shifted bracing. And they moved the bracing closer to the bridge plate. No one knows when it happened exactly or why, but it did happen. And it gives you a different sound. The uh, rearward-shifted bracing has a greater focus on the bass fundamental strings, and it doesn't have that, that really rumbly resonant bass that you get from forward shifted bracing. And it also made a uh, D28 that same uh, year when those first came out that was based on a 1941 
and uh, guitar. And I really love that guitar too. I love the focus sound of the rearward shifted racing, but most people want that forward shifted rumble in the bass. So we finally got that. The other major change was the 1939 guitars were the first Martins made with the one and 11 16th inch nut width on the uh, long scale neck and uh, which some people find more comfortable, but most people want that wider one and three quarter inch width nut. So now we have that guitar from 1937 recreated with mahogany back and sides, forward shifted bracing and the bigger wider neck. So fans are finally getting that guitar. Pop quiz spoon, didn't they already make a D18 1937 before? They did actually, starting in 2005, that's when they first started putting out what they called authentic models, but it wasn't the series that we have today. They came out with a D18 authentic 1937 that was not based on a specific guitar like they do now. It was just using techniques from that time period and they looked at a bunch of different vintage Martins to come up with the bracing and that sort of thing. And that was retired when they came out with the new series 10 years later. And that's why so many people have been wishing they would come out with this guitar again. This new guitar is based on one specific Martin guitar, a D18 made in 1937 that once belonged to James Taylor. And so that is the bracing and bridge plate and neck shape that we're getting. So it's not the exact same neck shape as the D28 1937. It is its own thing. And it's been copied directly from that guitar that's now at the Martin Museum. What are your thoughts off the cuff, if I might ask, when Martin does this and they find one guitar to completely replicate, do you agree that they should take that neck? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a trick question, ladies and gentlemen, because I uh, I had was so in love with the neck on the 1930 OM45 Deluxe that I begged them to put that on the, on the OM28 and every other Martin OM, but they don't do that. They do base the neck on this specific instrument. And um, I, yeah, I think there's pros and cons to that. Some people are going to like the neck more than others, but that's always been the case with... Uh, with guitars. So that's just the way they choose to do it. So yeah, so those two necks are not exactly the same. Some people will like one more than the other and that's just the way it is. But gone are the rear shifted braces and I am curious to see if the 1939 model sticks around or if that's gonna basically be retired like many of the other authentic series instruments. I wish I was retired. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I'm tired, but I wish I was retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of rearward shifted bracing, and I'm not going to say that twice because I'm going to mispronounce it. That makes me really think of another new model Martin came out with at this NAMM show, the D28 Rich Robinson from the Black Crows. What can you tell me about this? This is a super exciting guitar, um, for me anyway. This is the first time that Martin has taken a celebrity guitar, somebody, you know, that belongs to somebody like Rich Robinson, and they're not just doing a model based on it, they're applying their aging techniques that they use in the Authentic series to this guitar. So they've taken Robinson's 1954 D28, they have recreated the neck profile as closely as possible, 
but they've also recreated every little scrape and ding and chip out of the finish um, that is on his guitar. So it looks exactly like his guitar. Uh, the neck particularly uh, up like where the thumb wraps over the fretboard, the, the way that that has worn down into a, to a, its own sort of glossy patch. All those little things are there. They, uh, the wear on the dog-eared uh, headstock, uh, it has, you know, it's using the, that sort of slightly rounded headstock that they have from the 1950s that um, just was an accident. That just came from using the same wooden molds that they came up with in the 20s or 30s, and it just wore away, and eventually the headstock got more and more rounded. So it has that. Uh, Clusan has made special tuners just for this guitar. These are the, the 1954 style waffle tuners that Clusan has aged themselves to look uh, like vintage tuners. That's very cool. Uh, it's got a decorative long saddle that's been aged. It's not a true long saddle. It's still a drop-in saddle, so it'll work with an under saddle pickup if you want to install that. The other thing that's not authentic about it that I notice most is the bridge is a modern belly bridge, which has a has a smoother curve to the wings because he does a lot of thumb fretting and the 1954 was a bulkier bridge and had a greater sort of waterfall shelf to it that really sticks into your palm and can be kind of uncomfortable after you play it a lot. So it's got a modern saddle, but it's got the traditional look of a long saddle. It's got the big white domino dots on the fretboard from, from that era that are made with pure white mother pearl instead of abalone. So, but they still give off that ghostly pink and blue, you know, from the light that reflects it. That's very cool. Otherwise, it's a straight braced rear shifted bracing pattern. So non-scallop bracing in the rearward pattern. The rearward, rearward, I see I have a hard time saying that too, the rear shifted <laughs> bracing uh, lasted from 1939 to about 1959. And no one's certain about when that actually went away around 1960 into what we would call the modern bracing pattern for non-forward shifted bracing. And you really get a great focus to those no top notes um, you know, anybody who's familiar with 1950 Martins knows they're very popular with bluegrassers and people who, who play hard and strum big because you get a lot of power out of those tops without overdriving. So big, powerful rosewood sound. They're using Indian rosewood, of course, instead of the endangered Brazilian, which, you know, knocks $25,000 off the price. And, uh, and otherwise, um, Otherwise, uh, really cool guitar, and I, you know, I'm really happy that they're bringing back a, a rearward shifted uh, dreadnought uh, in rosewood. So I'm happy about it. And I'll tell you, when I played this guitar on our most recent video, you can really, really hear the difference between forward shifted scalloped and rear shifted non-scalloped. There's so much of a variance in tone. It's, it's almost amazing that it's the same kind of guitar. That's true. And, you know, we have with the modern D28, we have straight bracing and the D35, but they're forward shifted now. So this is uh, for people who really liked that uh, non-forward shifted sound. Not only do you uh, get that in this, you're getting even, the bracing's even closer to the bridge plate. So it's even more, even get more of a focus to those top notes. So cuts, cuts through mixes, uh, whether you're live or recording really, really well. 
and uh, the signature of that guitar can be very easily heard in a group of musicians. So, so very cool, very cool. Big time. And if you know anybody who thinks bracing doesn't make a difference, point them towards a video of an HD28 and then a video of the D28 Rich Robinson and let them hear it. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of celebrity guitars, there's also a very uh, historically significant guitar, a part of this NAMM show as well. Oh boy, you're going to make me say it. Major Kialaki. Very good. Major Kialaki was a gigantic superstar in the music world in the early 20th century uh, that most people don't remember anymore. Um, he was from the Hawaiian Islands when the Hawaiian music craze came over to America in... It had already kind of started like around 1912, but by 1915 with the San Francisco exhibition, I think it was called the Panamanian Pacific International Exhibition. And the Hawaiian pavilion there was the big hit, with the hula girls and the ukuleles and the poi and the lays and all that. And it really kicked off America's love affair with Hawaii and Hawaiian music. And How do you know that? Hold on one second. How do you know that? <laughs> I'm a history buff. Jeez. But Hawaiian music uh, used steel string guitars, which Martin still wasn't making yet. And so, um, because they were playing, you know, with a slide, they were like, you would play with a dobro now or a lap steel. And this superstar uh, had gotten a hold of, uh, there were a couple uh, Martin guitars that had made it to the big Hawaiian orchestra, the famous Hawaiian orchestra there. And the guy, Major, as his first name, uh, Major Kialaki, wrote to Frank Henry Martin asking him to make him a special oversized, extra large steel string guitar. And surprisingly, Martin said yes. Martin didn't do that. Uh, to show you how big a superstar this guy was, he's only the fourth artist in Martin history at that time that Martin made a custom guitar for, and which he loved and he played, but nobody remembered this. None of this was remembered at all at C.F. Martin and Company until a letter was discovered in the archives in this century, and then other letters, and the correspondence between uh, Kialaki and Frank Martin was a revelation that has rewritten the history books because now we know this was the first dreadnought. This predated the dreadnought uh, size that was developed by uh, John Dykeman, who was in his early 20s at the time and went on to become a major foreman at the factory and also is credited with inventing the orchestra model size as well. And we always just thought that Dykeman just thought it up. And uh, if you look at the Kialaki, it doesn't look like a dreadnought. It's the same size as the 12-fret dreadnought. It's got the same, at least this rep this reproduction that we get has the same, exact same depth as a 12-fret dreadnought. But it doesn't look like a 12-fret dreadnought. To my eyes, it looks like a giant double-o, a 12-fret double-o. And it has this elaborate uh, ebony bridge on it that looks like a lotus flower or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it's based on, but this was something that Kialaki had asked for. And so it is a big 12-fret mahogany dreadnought made with sinker mahogany, torrified top. It's basically made with authentic construction, with the exception of the sinker mahogany. And it has the neck and the bracing 
of the D28-1931 authentic model, which is a 12 fret. It has a big one and seven eighths inch neck, a V-neck and um, 12 fret body size and uh, that wonderful tucked authentic forward shifted bracing, uh, hand scalloped. So it's a, it's a monster of a guitar, um, beautiful mahogany. I think it looks gorgeous and historically significant. So very cool. That's wild. Yes, indeed, it is wild. They didn't they didn't remember it at all. It's similar to the vintage gloss, which it also has. They didn't know about vintage gloss. Old old men who are no longer with us who used to work at the factory used to claim that style eighteen and style twenty five and style twenty eight and anything that didn't have a pearly top didn't have a high gloss finish. It had a lower level gloss. And we didn't know that either until they found a letter from Frank Martin explaining the exact technique they used to get the, what we now call vintage gloss that appears on the authentics in style 18 and style 28. Um, that's the other thing about this guitar. The fretboard, uh, the fret markers are different than what would have been on the original guitar. These fret markers are the dots, abalone dots that would have been on a 1931 D18. So it's it's uh, you know still keeping with authentic vibe. Speaking of celebrities, I have a good segue if you'll indulge me. Why certainly. We are halfway into this program and we have failed to say the words Dick Boke. That's correct, Dick Boke, who's of course retired from Martin, but for a long time was the face of Martin guitar in in artist relations, um, and later in being in charge of the museum and was in charge of the archives at the time that the uh, researchers discovered those letters about that special guitar, special dreadnought, early dreadnought, or dreadnought, if you will. Well, we have another dreadnought in the show that is the D42 Special, and it features a beautiful, intricate pattern inlaid on the pickguard that Dick Boke had come up with years before and it was never used, and he just found it again, and he showed it to Chris Martin recently, and Chris Martin said, well, let's use that. So they took that pickguard, and then Dick expanded on the design to include fretboard design, headstock design, and little designs on, on the bridge. And they do it in a style 42 pearl around the edge of the top, and the inlay is all also done in pearl which he was not originally intending to do, but they decided to, to bring it upscale into Pearl. And they went to Pearl Works, who do some of the greatest inlay in the world, and they uh, did the Pearl. Beautiful abalone, really gorgeous. Otherwise, it's the same construction as the, uh, as the D42, though this limited edition guaranteed really D45 level wood for the top and the back and sides. So really gorgeous, um, and uh, congratulations, Dick, for uh, yet another honor by Martin Guitar. Absolutely, and I'm sure you know this story, but it might be worth saying for the listeners. He had that design, as you were saying, many, many years ago, and it went unused. The story goes, 25 years ago, uh, Martin got their first laser printer, and he said when they put a sheet of tortoise material into the machine, it caught on fire and almost went up the <laughs> dust collector system. That's correct. <laughs> quote, so that was that. <laughs> and he said his drawing sat dormant until last year, 
Uh, and I guess the, the rest of the story is history. But just imagine that, you know, you think you say the words Dick Boke and you think all of this is steam and, and face of Martin. Well, he almost burned the place down, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for, for which he does deserve ribbing. But yes, he had designed it to try to <laughs> test out that new machine, hoping that they could do fancy inlays on pick guards. Uh, you know, that's beyond what a, somebody with a, a knife could do. So, so, yes, that's a great one of the great Dick Boke stories. So there's a life lesson in everything you listen to. And anybody listening to this program, if you've ever almost caught your workplace on fire because of a printer, you might not be in bad shape. <laughs> well, speaking of heat and Martins, um, we have in the 16 series, the very first Streetmaster model. Uh, everybody's familiar with the Streetmasters in the 15 series with that very cool distressed finish that to me doesn't look like wear so much as it's a you know it's an artistic process and an artistic design and motif and now we get it in the 16 series with a a spruce top so it's the first time they've used this technique on a spruce top and what do you think of that not just spruce top but an adirondack vts spruce top and i think it's great yeah i think they look gorgeous there's a practical reason behind this the uh the VTS, the Vintage Tone System, Martin's proprietary torrefaction, where they take the wood and they they basically bake it in a kiln, oxygen-free kiln, up to temperatures that would have completely incinerated the wood if there was oxygen to ignite. And it changes the molecular structure of the wood, cooking the resins inside until they crystallize, which is what happens to spruce tops after they've been sitting around on a guitar for 50, 60, 80 years, the interior moisture eventually evaporates and it crystallizes. So it makes the wood sound more like a, a top that's been around for 100 years. And they've put it on a, a 16 series for the first time ever. And the reason they've done this is because the sugars in Adirondack, Adirondack has a much higher sugar count in the sap than other spruces. And when you torrefy it, it turns brown and burns. And it puts all these interesting streaks and brown patches in the wood. But some of them are deemed too unusual looking for Martin to want to put them on their authentic series guitars or, or some of their other higher end editions. So they've been collecting a lot of this uh, interestingly shaded wood. And they've decided to use it with the Streetmaster techniques, which also add different patches of uh, browning to the finish. And it's a, it's a marvelous marriage in an ingenious way to use this torrified uh, VTS Adirondack and offer it on guitars that don't cost as much as an authentic series instrument or even as standard series instrument. So I think it's a wonderful idea. And I think people are going to really love these guitars and, and have an opportunity to uh, have VTS Adirondack on an affordable Martin guitar. I completely agree. And anybody who always wanted to have a 16 series guitar with some upgrades, you really do get them with this specific model. Yeah, it also has Indian Rosewood back and sides. So they've, you know, they've started putting that on the D16 as well. But, but this is giving you a wonderful, uh, if people remember the old GE series was Indian Rosewood with Adirondack Spruce, and that's what we're getting here. And but this time it's it's torrified VTS Adirondack Spruce, so uh, in a nice short scale triple O 
Very exciting. Okay, the elephant in the room, or I should say the World War II aircraft in the room. Let's talk about <laughs> Robert Goetzel's squadron. Yes, the D-17 squadron. Um, Robert, you know Robert very well. You guys are very good friends. And uh, he has done a lot of work for Martin. He did the big mural in the visitor center and has done many special editions over the years uh, with these beautiful paintings that are then reproduced on the tops of guitars using their, their special digital printer. And I have to say, I thought this guitar was outstanding. Uh, some people are going to think, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> but anybody who's familiar with nose art on airplanes, and particularly from the Second World War, will immediately recognize the Flying Tigers. The Flying Tigers were an all-American, all-volunteer squadron that went to China and Burma before America had entered World War II to fight for the Chinese against the Empire of Japan. And they flew the Curtis P-40, which was already sort of an out-of-date aircraft at that time. But they, uh, they were magnificent pilots. They eventually got absorbed into the Army Air Corps when um, America joined the war. And the nose art that we see here is absolutely identical from a 1942 P-40. And it is has those exhaust ports. The the green is Army Air Corps green. The uh, the eye and the big toothy grin is it. I mean, it's exactly like a uh, Army Air Corps P forty um, with the flying tiger motif. Really cool, super cool. I'm sure you agree with me in person. These guitars look so damn cool. Yeah, they actually don't. Uh, look good in photos um, by comparison. And uh, Robert used special techniques that he's never used before. He didn't paint this on canvas. He actually took pieces of wood and, and screwed them together to give the appearance of, so those screws are real screws on the painting, to give it the appearance of the, of the steel sheeting or aluminum sheeting that would have been on the outside of a Curtis P40. And then he painted that and so it gives it an extra special three-dimensional look. But then those exhaust ports from across the room, you feel like you can go grab and pick up the guitar by them. They look so three-dimensional. <laughs> so it's really a, a remarkable piece of work. And, and he does, you know, he does great work. Will they do more in a series of nose art? Maybe because there are some people at the factory who are big fans of that kind of work, whether it's on automobiles or aircraft, but aircraft nose art, of course, is its own artistic genre. And a little inside story about this, they wanted to do nose art, but many people know that most of the nose art on World War II aircraft is kind of, you know, cheesecake glamour girl stuff of girls in their, ba you know, in their bathing suits or, you know, or in a pretty dress, you know, with their long legs. And the Martin family, is still very old fashioned about certain things. So we won't be seeing any, any cheesecake nose art, but we may see some more nose art that's a little more um, a little more conservative in its nature. But this is what, that's why they ended up choosing the, the Flying Tigers to kind of go away from that, that sort of Memphis Bell nose art look. Mmm, cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually getting kind of hungry myself. <laughs>
Well, if we have any chance of getting out of here on time to have lunch, let's go to the next model. I know beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening to this program, the prettiest guitar in the bunch for NAMM 2022 is by far the DSS Hops and Barley. Spoon, fight me if I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think some people will have arguments because they'll like that nose art. But yes, the Hops and Barley, uh, this came about because, first of all, Tim Teal has always loved the arts and crafts movement that started in England in the early 20th century and then moved to America and around the world. And they've done commemorative models, literally called arts and crafts, that use techniques. And the arts and crafts was all about sort of getting back to the land and getting back to nature and a lot of botanical motif stuff, as well as fine woodworking. And when he was on vacation, he saw an emblem somewhere of a of barley, of the you know the grain of barley still on the stalk, with the tassel at the top, and he and it reminded him of the of the arts and crafts movement. It reminded him of the arts and crafts models, and he said, you know, I'm going to start experimenting with that, and he came up with the motif for this instrument, and then they decided to use some really amazing woods. So not only does it have really cool wooden inlay matched with abalone and mother pearl in this absolutely glorious, beautiful guitar, they're using a really unusual woods that are from the United States. Why don't you tell them about the woods, Maury? The top is sinker redwood and the back and sides are a gorgeous walnut. Yes, that's correct. It's actually black walnut is the species um, from uh, North America, but it was sourced in the United States, and it has beautiful figuring beyond what you normally see in black walnut. That's why it was chosen. And the top is sinker wet webwood. Um, I'm hunting wabbits. <laughs> the top is, in fact, sinker redwood, and they've never used that before. Martin has put out guitars with redwood tops in the past here and there. Really, you have to kind of go back to the 1980s or 1990s, I think. So this is redwood that has been submerged underwater for a very long time. They have no idea how long, um, but it is old growth, um, meaning that it probably lived for hundreds of years before the tree fell down. And it changes the molecular structure being underwater that long, just like the sinker mahogany they have from Central America. So it's denser than normal and highly reflective, probably has absorbed extra mineral content. And so it becomes really warm and really resonant and matched with walnut, which is some people say is in between rosewood mahogany. I really like the sound of walnut a lot. I think it has its own unique voice. I'd say it's similar to mahogany uh, in terms of that kind of warmth in the bass, but without a lot of warmth in the trebles and not as uh, busy in the overtones as you get out of rosewood. But with this warm top, it's going to become really lush and harmonically complex, uh, I would predict, as, as it goes on in the future. And um, very exciting. Many people at the Martin factory were blown away by the sound of this guitar. And there's a big lobbying effort within Martin employees out on the, out on the floor and in the custom shop to, uh, 
to get more of this wood and make a, a less expensive model for them <laughs> so they can buy one. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. And it's also done with uh, some authentic techniques. It's done with um, it's done with high glue construction, for example. And so, so it's an extra special deluxe model. Uh, you've got to see that headstock up close and the, the heel cap on the back and the back strip and stuff just uh and the purple wood that they use to to inlay the the um sound holders that just really uh, super gorgeous super gorgeous so you win i agree this is the the certainly the prettiest guitar in uh, the nam show well it might be the prettiest but it's not the only guitar with a colored top there's one more instrument from the 2022 nam show where the top of the guitar is not natural and it's the gpc 13e burst Yes, indeed. Really beautiful uh, Road Series Burst that has, it's, you know, classic Martin Burst in the sense that it's got really dark black on the outside and then comes in. It's not like the Amber Burst. It's a real hardcore burst on a grand performance body size with a cutaway in the Road Series. So it's got the artist, uh, performing artist uh, profile, which I, which I really like a lot. And the onboard electronics, MXT electronics with the built-in tuner. So uh, the major difference between this and the old GPC-13 that used to be around is that this has those stunning Zeracody fine veneers on the back and the sides. So uh, like they have on the um, the uh, CS Special, CS-13E Special, and the D-13E Zeracody. So, uh, just a magnificently beautiful looking instrument. And it's worth noting that uh, the Zero Cody fine veneer is on both the outside and the inside. So the sound chamber inside that guitar, you're not simply looking at a cheap piece of plywood or hearing some really inferior product. The back and sides, both the inside and outside are veneers of Zero Cody. And it really does make a difference both visually and audibly. Yeah, absolutely. Zirkuti is a is not a true rosewood, but it has a lot of rosewoody properties, uh, certainly compared to uh, mahogany uh, family woods. But the inside, uh, underneath, like you say, it's not plywood. This is not like a boxwood guitar. This is actually a solid core of kaya, which is uh, what furniture makers call African mahogany. So it's a true mahogany, and um, very thin pieces of that covered with the with the uh, veneer. So it's not, you can't really call it laminated. These are, it's solid core with veneers on the outside. And that really does help with the resonance and, and the richness that you get uh, out of that voice. So, so uh, for not a lot of money in the, the very affordable best bang for the buck uh, road series with a full gloss finish. So, so uh, really beautiful. We have some ukuleles to talk about that. Yeah, I'll no, I can do that because we also, you know, also they had released some new uh, models into the Modern Deluxe series earlier in the year that they sort of consider part of this NAM show. And the glorious one, of course, is the D45 Modern Deluxe. Uh, just spectacular. But we can talk about maybe the Modern Deluxe uh, in a separate podcast about that whole series. But yes, the ukuleles. Um, we can go back again to Hawaiian music. Martin was the very first musical instrument maker on the mainland to embrace the Hawaiian music craze. 
and start making ukuleles and or ukulele as they would actually say over there in Hawaii and they um and they didn't make them out of koa wood like they would have made them over there they made them out of mahogany primarily and we have a beautiful beautiful tenor ukulele that is the largest size that Martin makes that gives you a little more bottom end and it's the loudest of body size and of a true ukulele and um and that is made with solid mahogany backsides and top very easy to play by guitar standards because it's got a 17 inch neck scale so it's full size um and then they have a very nice smaller concert ukulele that gives you that's in terms of tonal range between a soprano and a tenor that's a little more portable that's the more classic ukulele you would see somebody playing in their raccoon skin coat in the 1920s and uh, but again made with you know true true martin standards these are professional level instruments uh that concert all solid wood uh, mahogany concert more exp definitely more expensive but these are you know these are real ukuleles for real professional musicians and then they have a very special tenor ukulele with that bigger size that is made entirely with fsc certified woods so this means that all of the woods used to make that ukulele are coming from forests that are managed in a responsible manner, not just in terms of how they call the natural resources, but in terms of how uh, they respect, treat their relations with the indigenous populations that live in these forests. And that comes a very cool gig bag, a blue gig bag that's made entirely of recycled water bottles. So that's that's cool. All of them come with a, a, a nice high quality gig bag, but the, the one with the with the FSC certified woods is uh, has a special environmentally friendly recycled gig bag. So that's, I think that's all pretty cool for the ukulele fans out there. Well, I do agree. We shouldn't go too many more podcasts down the line before we do circle back and speak highly about those new modern deluxe guitars that came out earlier this year. So uh, remind me sometime before it gets too late, we have to talk about things like the 00018 modern deluxe, the 00042 Modern Deluxe. Oh, I don't know, maybe the D45 Modern Deluxe. There's more content coming. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, those were great. We had a great time at the factory back when we got to play those. At the same time, we played the uh, CSSC 22. So yeah, we will circle back, as you say, and, and give, the, give them their due. Speaking of their due, we do hope you like this show. And if you do, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We might even read your review on the air. Canine Cop 3 writes, Mari and Spoon never get old to me. What a wealth of knowledge about models I hadn't even previously considered. Well, Canine, Spoon did get old, but I like the way you think. <laughs> well, young feller, you have to respect your elders before someone comes over there <laughs> and boxes your ears. <laughs> Well, before my ears get boxed, let me say thank you very much to everybody who listened. Spoon, thank you again for the wonderful conversation. If you've had a great time here, please consider sharing this program with your friends. From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. <laughs>